Take your Bibles, please, this morning and turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We spent the last three weeks in Matthew chapter 1. And today we want to take some time and look at what's in chapter 2 as we wrap up our set of Christmas messages for 2008. Matthew chapter 2 and begin reading at verse number 1. So glad to see you here today. Thank you for coming. And if you need a Bible, there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. Uh, First book of the New Testament, Matthew. And then find the second chapter, begin reading at verse number one. Matthew chapter two, beginning at verse number one, it says this. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod, the king, had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem and on all the coasts thereof from two years old and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And we'll stop our reading there today. Let's pray. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for this time. We can read your word and study it. And Father, I pray that you give me wisdom, that you guide my words and my actions today, that I might rightly divide the word of truth. I pray, Lord, that you'll work in hearts and lives, that you'll glorify yourself in this place today. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, probably everybody here today, uh, you received a, at least one gift uh, throughout this Christmas time. Uh, some of you and some of us received more than one. But it was interesting, an American Express survey about Christmas gifts found that the fruitcake was chosen most often, that's 31%, from a list of the worst holiday gifts. It even finished ahead of no gift at all. The second choice at 18%. When asked what people would do with a bad gift, 30% said they would hide it in the closet. 21% said they would return it. And 19% said they would give it away. And this writer said this suggests that the Christmas fruitcake might get recycled as a gift for the host of the New Year's party. So interesting. Well, that's a bad gift, according to some people. Uh, but we also receive good gifts. It's good to see what the response is for good gifts. I once saw a little girl on TV and uh, she was tearing open her present. And in her excitement, she said, just what I wanted for Christmas. What is it? And uh, sometimes we're like that when we get gifts. But in chapter one of Matthew, we've been studying the last three weeks. We've seen the greatest gift that was ever given. That is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're with us, uh, we, we looked at three different messages. We looked at Mary's pregnancy in week one. We looked at Joseph's predicament week two. We looked at God's provision week three. And in chapter two here, uh, we're going to see two different responses to the coming of Christ. And I call this morning's message some wise men and a wicked king. And I want to look at their response. Let's look at the wise men's response. First of all, as I read this today and as we looked at it together, if I had to narrow down the wise men's response to one word, I would say it was the word worship, worship. The whole purpose in their going was worship. Look back at verse two. It says that they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to what? Worship him to worship him. That was the whole purpose of their coming. John MacArthur said the word worship is full of meaning, expressing the idea of falling down, prostrating oneself, kissing the feet or the hem of the garment of one being honored. Now, think about that. Kissing the feet or the garment, prostrating yourself, showing reverence to one. They came to worship Jesus, to fall down before Jesus, to honor him, to worship him. And they made no bones about it. They came to worship him. We are come to worship him. And you know what? I think it might be good for all of us here today to honestly ask ourselves why we're here. Why are you here today? Don't answer aloud. Don't answer audibly. But in your own heart, why are you here today? Think about it. Have you come to worship him? Have you come to worship the Lord today? The late D. James Kennedy said most people think of the church as a drama. The minister's the chief actor. God is the prompter. And the laity are the critics. What is actually the case is the congregation is the chief actor, the minister is the prompter, and God is the critic. And when you think about it in that regard, beloved, it puts it in a proper light. Pardon the pun, but we need to act upon that truth. We need to regain a proper perspective on our worship. We need to follow these men's example. We have come today to worship Him. 
The scripture is clear. First Chronicles 16, 26 through 29. For all the gods of the people are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Glory and honor in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Given to the Lord, ye kindreds of the people. Given to the Lord glory and strength. Given to the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. Come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Psalm 95, 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. Psalm 96, 7 through 10. Given to the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people. Given to the Lord glory and strength. Given to the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering. And come into his courts. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen, the Lord reigneth. The world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Philippians, move to the New Testament. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Wherefore God also highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We are to worship him. It's all about him. You know, we come to church so many times, and we come, really, if we're honest, for what we can get out of church. What, what, what's in it for me? But beloved, we're here today. It's not about us. It's about Him. We're here to worship Him, to adore Him, to fall before Him. I ran across a little article in the Evangelical Friend, and I thought it was worth sharing with you today. It, it, it was titled, it was entitled, A Prescription for Worship. Here's what it said. I want to give you what the article said. Make just a few comments today. Here's what it said. A prescription for worship. Enter the place of worship. A little before the service begins, enter expectantly. God has promised to meet you there. Think about it. Did did you enter today expectantly that God was going to be here? That God was going to meet you? That you're going to worship Him? Sad to say, the only expectation some folks have when they come to church is they expect to get out by noontime. I mean, if we're honest about it. But did we expect today to bring honor and glory to worship worship the Lord? This article said, whisper a prayer. Don't answer aloud, don't nod, but just in your own heart answer these questions. Did you pray about the service today? Did you pray for the service today? Did you pray for those on the seat next to you? They'd be be, uh, uh, encouraged today as we glorify God together. Have you prayed about the service? Do you ever pray for the services? It says, when the first hymn is announced, open your hymnal to that place. If you cannot sing, follow the words. How about it? Let me say there's a difference between cannot sing and will not sing. It says in this article, bow your head and close your eyes during the prayer. Uh, As you give, pray that God will accept the gift. Is that the way we're giving? Is that the way that we're worshiping? During this special music, it says be attentive and prayerful. You're thinking about the words. You're thinking about the message in the songs as the people play or sing. When the minister preaches, pray for him and listen attentively. And I would ask you to do that. Please pray. Pray as the message is going forth that God would speak to your heart, that God would speak to my heart, that God would speak to those around you today and listen carefully to the word of God. Then it says, be silent, except to sing or say amen. And it is okay to say amen uh, once in a while. Thought it was a good prescription for worship, but sad to say some people just find that too hard to swallow. But if we would take heed to that good counsel, it would make a real difference in our worship. We notice the wise men here, they worship the Lord. Let's notice their worship for a moment. Look back at verse 11. 
I want you to notice, first of all, they gave themselves. Verse 11 says, and when they were coming to the house, so notice the later time, they weren't coming to the stable. Jesus was a little bit older here. They came into the house. They saw the young child, that is Jesus, with Mary, his mother. And watch this. They fell down and worshipped him. They gave themselves. They fell down. And notice what it says. It says they worshipped him, not them. We talked about that. We thank God for Mary and her testimony. We do not worship Mary. We worship the Lord Jesus. True worship, beloved, must start with giving ourselves. You must give yourself, present yourself. They gave themselves to them. Notice, secondly, they gave their gifts. Verse 11 again. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. And you know what they are, of course. Gold and frankincense and myrrh. They gave their gifts. May I ask again, and once again, don't answer out loud, but let me ask you this. What did you give Jesus for Christmas? What did you give Jesus for Christmas? After all, uh, whose birthday are we celebrating? Steve Russo in his book, Keeping Christ in Christmas, said, have you ever attended a birthday party for someone you've never met? Have you ever bought an expensive gift and given it to a perfect stranger? As crazy as it may seem, millions of people do this very thing every year at Christmas time. They give gifts, attend parties, and end up forgetting that the real reason for celebrating is a very special birthday, the birth of someone they don't even know. In essence, many people have forgotten all about the host because they become so preoccupied with the celebration itself and the exchanging of gifts. The real meaning of Christmas has been lost by much of our society. Someone once said that Christmas is based on an exchange of gifts, the gift of God to man, that is his son, the Lord Jesus, and the gift of man to God, that is when we give our lives to him. I ask again, what did you give the Lord Jesus for Christmas? I hope many today would say I've given him my life. He's my savior. He's my Lord. And I'd say, amen, praise the Lord. And if you haven't been saved and you haven't given him your life, I want to encourage you and challenge you today, this last Sunday of 2008, to repent of your sin and trust Jesus Christ alone. We are to give ourselves. But I noticed the wise men, they gave themselves first, yes, but they also gave their gifts. There's a beautiful little Christmas song. It's in our hymnal. It's not the tune that I know. We tried to sing it once here, but the words are very meaningful. It says, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. Now, granted, beloved, we are poor spiritually. Without Christ, we have nothing. Without Christ, we're lost, we're destitute, we're hopeless. But let's be honest about it. Materially speaking, can we truthfully say, what can I give him poor as I am? Yes, I gave him my heart, but I realize today I can give him so much more. And so can you. And I ask again, what did you give the Lord Jesus for Christmas? Some might be thinking, well, do you have some suggestions, Pastor? Well, I'm not going to give you any. Because I want that to be something that you take to the Lord in prayer. And say, Lord, what is it that you would want me to give 
to you for Christmas. It might be some time. It might be a treasure. It might be, I don't know what it may be. But you seek the Lord and say, Father, what is it that I could give you as a present as we celebrate Christmas? The wise men showed us a proper response, one of worship. They gave themselves and they gave their gifts. We likewise should do the same. We should worship and adore him, giving him ourselves and giving him our gifts. And as delightful as it's been studying about them, we have to turn the page now from the wise men's response. And we notice a wicked king's response. Herod. And I want to summarize Herod's response with two words. And I think those two words are the words worry and wrath. Let's look at the worry beginning at verse 3. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. It speaks of Bethlehem. Verse 7 says in Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and what? Worship him also. Of course, we know that was just a mask, just a disguise of his own evil heart. Worry. But then we have wrath. Verse 16, and I'll be honest with you, as a parent reading these words, very difficult. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked by the wise men, was exceeding wroth and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem. And in all the coasts thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Can you imagine that? Two years old and under. I think about our nursery downstairs. That age children. The Herod mentioned here, I'm told, is known as Herod the Great. But you know, when you begin to learn more about him, you find out he wasn't so great after all. In fact, it says secular history records that he murdered many of his own family, including his favorite wife. He had ten wives, her grandfather, her brother, and some of his own children. On one occasion, he had the whole Sanhedrin, the ruling body of the Jewish government, assassinated. On another occasion, he had a very notable man in Jerusalem murdered. Christ was born during the latter years of Herod's reign. This fact shows just how much of a bloody tyrant Herod really was. Just imagine he would not even be around when a child king would inherit the throne. Yet he felt threatened by the reports of a child king. He was a man possessed by evil. He was suspicious, savage and warped. And it says, note that Herod had all the children killed, not only in Bethlehem, but verse 16 says, but in all the coast thereof. His wrath, his jealousy, his warped sense sent him really on a rampage to kill off any that would take his place. I don't know about you, but do you notice here a stark contrast between the wise men and the wicked king? 
One of worship on this hand, one of wrath on the other. One of devotion on this hand, one of destruction on the other. One of honor on this side, one of hate on the other. But I love as I read on, it says in verse 19, but when Herod was dead. You know why? Jesus still lives. He's alive forevermore. Herod the Great, that wicked tyrant, that bloodthirsty monster, died and went to his place. But Jesus reigns victorious and is alive forevermore. We see the coming of Christ. We see two different responses. The wise man's response, one of worship, devotion, falling down, giving themselves, giving their gifts. And then one of a wicked king named Herod, who was filled with worry and wrath. But there's a third response I want to consider quickly this morning. And that is, what is your response? What is your response? And friend, I realize today that I cannot write the rest of this message. The pen is in your hand now. You must write the rest of this message. Remember what D. James Kennedy said, the congregation is the chief actor, the minister is the prompter, and God is the critic. But as you ponder your response this morning, I want to prompt you, if I may, with the words of the carol writer when they wrote, come and worship, come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. And of course, we recognize today, we remember, and must always, that Jesus is no longer a baby. Jesus is no longer in a manger, in a stable. He grew to be a man. He lived a sinless, perfect life. They nailed his body to a tree as he gave himself voluntarily for that. They took his dead body off of that cross, laid it in a borrowed tomb. But the third day he arose victorious and he lives forevermore. Today he is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is coming again. He is coming in victory. What is your response to Jesus Christ? Is it worship or is it wrath? Is it honor or is it hate? Is it devotion or is it destruction? Are you more like the wise men or the wicked king? Would you bow your heads today and close your eyes? And as we close today, I wonder... Perhaps you're here today and you say, Preacher, I realize I don't know Jesus Christ as my Savior. There's never been a time in my life where I've repented of my sins and accepted Him as my own Lord and Savior. And friend, as God the Holy Spirit does your heart today, I want to encourage you to do that. I want to encourage you to come like those wise men. And fall down and say, oh, you are Lord. I worship you. 
I fall before you. I give you myself. I give you my life. I give you my all. I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I can't save myself. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he lives. I believe he is the son of God. I believe. You can call out unto him today and he'll save you. Forgive you of your sin. Make you a child of God and give you a home in heaven. That's you, friend. I want to encourage you to trust Christ. In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. I'm going to invite you to come. Someone would love to sit down with the Bible and show you from God's word how you can know for sure when you leave for today that if you were to step out in eternity, you'd be there with Jesus, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. In a moment, I invite you to come. I'm thinking of others today who maybe you know Christ as Savior and Lord. And I rejoice with you. And I'm thankful today that I know Him only by His grace, only by His mercy. But maybe that question maybe calls your attention today. What did you give Jesus for Christmas? Maybe you'd say, well, nothing. Yes, you've given him your heart. Praise God. You've given him your life. But is there something else that maybe the Lord is wanting you to present even today? Would you ask the Lord about that today, Christian? Would you say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Where do you want me to serve? What is it I can give, Father? Is my Christmas present to Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, we adore you, we magnify and praise you. And Father, I thank you for a wonderful time of worship today. Lord, as we come to a very serious moment where eternal decisions are made, I pray the Holy Spirit will have his will and way in each heart and life. There's one here today who does not know Christ as Savior. I pray today they'll come to Jesus. If there are believers that you're dealing with right now, maybe some area of surrender, maybe some area of sin, whatever it is, I pray today they'll step out. Come down and make those things right with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.